following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de church people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. Well, um, the, the Winter Olympics, not just football is happening this time of year, but the Winter Olympics are happening in just a few weeks. And uh, I don't know if you guys like, are you looking forward to the Winter Olympics? I, I, I love the Olympics. I love the stories of people who kind of have overcome adversity to even just make Olympic teams, people who overcome adversity to win medals, even gold medals, and, and those are the things that we really celebrate. The things I don't like about the Olympics, though, are when there's somebody who has everything going their way and everything is just going right, only to crash and burn at the last moment. I hate those times. A snowboarder is leading right up until the very end and then falls. I I hate it when a, a figure skater seems to have the gold medal sewn up and then she falls on one of her last jumps. Uh, there's so many times where things like that happen and you just get, you're, it's just heart-wrenching. Well, these are stories of people who, uh, who really, they were, they were on top of the world and came crashing down. And, uh, in a lot of ways, that story is kind of like God's story. Uh, when we left off the story last week, everything was going right. God had created the universe. He made humans in his own image. And then he looked over all that he had done and he said, it is very good. God's epic story was off to a great start, but then everything came crashing down, and it happened in the second movement of God's story, which we know as the fall. Uh, The story of the fall we find in Genesis chapter 3, the third chapter in all of Scripture. The first chapter we read from last week, and it gave us that macro view of God's creation where we got to see uh, all that God created. And then chapter 2, which we didn't read from, it continues the story of creation on a much more personal level. It talks about the creation of the first humans, Adam and Eve. Uh, We read about their untainted relationship and their idyllic life in the Garden of Eden. But it didn't take long for everything to get messed up. And just the third chapter in Scripture, with one decision... Those two people go from a place of innocence to shame, from blessing to curse, from order to disorder, and from living in this beautiful garden to being expelled from it. This is the story we're going to read today. It's found in Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil." So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was there with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves." 
They heard the sound of, of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And then he said, God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman who you gave me, she gave me the fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent! He tricked me, and I ate. And then you, you continue reading on, and you see what happened next. The, the serpent itself was cursed and, and forced to crawl along on its belly for the rest of its days and would spend the rest of its days at odds with humanity. For humans, there were, there were problems that came from this too. God said that, that childbearing would now become painful. Does anybody know anything about that here? That it said that work would become toilsome, that the environment would now become harsh towards the humans who lived in it. But even, but even in this terrible time, there's this one little, it's like the first simple little act of grace that we see where God kind of foreshadows what to come. And I just, I just want to read that one verse really fast, verse 21. And the Lord God made garments of skins for the man and for his wife, and he clothed them. So we see this little hint of the grace that is to come, even in the midst of the story of the fall. This is God's word. Please pray with me. Lord, we're thankful for your word, even when it's a hard word, even when it's a word that, that brings to mind the fact that all is not right with our world. And so, Lord, we pray that you would enlighten us as we talk about it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Almost 100 years ago, a man named G.H. Charnley told a story that I think still resonates today. It was a story of a skylark who flew above the parched and desolate desert ground looking for worms. It was a time when worms were hard to come by. It was hard to find them. And each day, it became harder and harder. But one day, the skylark was perched in a tree and heard an unfamiliar voice. And then he looked, and the voice was that of a peddler. And the peddler was crying out, Worms! Worms for sale! Delicious, mouth-watering worms! The skylark couldn't believe his good fortune, and so he swooped down straight up to the peddler. And that's when the peddler told him, Two worms for one feather. It's a good deal. You should try it. The skylark felt this pain of, of hunger in his stomach, and he looked at himself and he said, I have many feathers. I'm not going to miss just one or two. And so he looked and, and he found two small feathers and he plucked them and he gave them to the peddler. And in response, he had his pick of the sweetest, juiciest worms he had ever seen, four of them. And he ate and was filled. The next day, the skylark was perched again, and he saw the peddler once again walking towards him. And he didn't even wait this time. He just swooped down and said, I'd love to have some more worms. Here, two more feathers. And so this continued day after day. The bird would give up a few feathers, and he would receive the worms instead. Until one day, 
After finishing his worms, he tried to fly, but then he landed on the ground with a huge thud. And startled by this, he looked at himself and and realized that he had no more feathers and could no longer fly. Can you see the parallels in this story and the one that we read from Scripture? Adam and Eve were given this incredible gift. They they weren't given the gift of flight, although that would have been really cool. Um, But they were given life without death, this really close and enduring and pure relationship with each other, meaningful work, and a beautiful garden to live in. And they traded it all away for a snack. And they were deceived by someone who was pretending to be their advocate. The serpent, he said to them, in essence, your life will be more fulfilling if you eat from that tree. God is trying to hold you back. Don't listen to him. If you eat from this tree, you're not going to die. In fact, you're going to be like God. Don't you want to be like God? And so they ate. And just like the bird who gave up all of his feathers, Adam and Eve gave away so many of the blessings that they had in that garden. It was the first sin. Now, we sin whenever we defy God's will for our life or we defy God's will for our world. We sin when we want to make our own rules apart from God, and we we seek to be the lords and the gods of our own lives. And this first sin had catastrophic consequences. It didn't just affect Adam and Eve, but it affected every human since that time. It caused alienation on many levels. Alienation between humans and God because our perfect communion with him was separated on that day. It caused alienation between humans and their environments. Scripture tells us that after the fall, the the land became harsh and unyielding. It caused alienation between humans and other humans. If you've ever been disappointed by somebody in your neighborhood or your workplace, somebody in your family, somebody in your church, or if anybody's ever been disappointed with you, that is a result of the fall. If you've ever encountered manipulation or power struggles or put-downs or loneliness, that is the result of the fall. So there's all this alienation, and there's even alienation within the human soul itself. Romans 7 talks about this. The Apostle Paul, who lived a a pretty good life, I mean, he he did a lot of great things for God and, and did a lot of things that were pure and right, But here's what he says in Romans chapter 7. I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Can anybody here relate to that? Do you ever feel like there's this war being waged inside of you where you want to do the right thing, but it is just this constant struggle? Part of the reason for this is that there is a false attraction to sin. It it, it looks good. Eve saw the fruit and it was desirable. Have you ever been tempted by something that looks really good, desirable, something that's attractive and lovely, and, and you're like, yes, I want that. But looks can be deceiving because often right behind that is something that wants to harm us or harm other people. 
So the fall created this war within us all. From that day on, humans would have two natures going on inside of themselves. The, the one nature that is created in the image of God and is right and pure and good, and this sin nature that is working to destroy us. For me, this is the best explanation that the world has for why things are the way they are. Have you ever seen good in somebody? Even somebody that doesn't believe in God? It's because we have been born and given the image of God. Why do we see so much evil and depravity in our world? Well, because we're born into sin, and it affects every aspect of who we are. Body, mind, spirit, heart, actions, they're all affected by it. So as people who have this war continually waging inside of us, what should we do? Well, for starters, we need to acknowledge the brokenness. We need to be real with ourselves and with God. We must recognize our brokenness in order to let God do his work of healing within us. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is nobody apart from Christ who has been 100% pure 100% of the time. Nobody. This is why no perfect people are allowed here, because there are no perfect people. (laughs) We need to recognize our brokenness in order to let God do his work of transformation in our lives. Our brokenness ought to drive us to our knees and make us realize our need for our God and to seek him out. But that is not what Adam and Eve did, is it? They chose to hide and they chose to blame. We, t- we tend to do the same things. We choose to hide. Sometimes it's fun to hide. And when you're playing hide-and-go-seek with a kid, that, that can be a lot of fun. My son Michael, when he was three years old, uh, he, he really liked to hide. And one time, well, let me just tell you, one time we were, Holland was in Target with our two boys. We didn't have Annie yet. And, and they were going back to the back of the store, and when they got back there, she decided to take three-year-old Michael out of the cart and put him down in the toy section. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, tur- she turned away for just a second, and she looked back, and he was gone. And she began to panic. So she started running down the aisles, looking for him, calling out to him, and, and people were beginning to notice. And so uh, she, a woman came up and said, what does your son look like? Let me help you. And then after she had that conversation, a woman from the store came up to her and was on her radio and said, yeah, we're going to need to lock down the entire store. I didn't know they did that. <laughs> we found out that they do. They, they locked down the store so nobody could come in or go out. And, so, and then Holland continued to run up and down. She's holding Joey. He was much smaller then. He's, not, he's like that tall now. But she was holding Joey, looking for Michael, yelling. Finally, she came back to the original aisle that she was in, and she saw something. She saw a little head poking out on the bottom shelf between two boxes. <laughs> Huge smile on his face. He had been watching the entire time very pleased with the chaos that he had been creating. So then we knew we had our hands full. Sometimes it's fun to hide. Or we, we hide for fun reasons. Other times we hide for different reasons. Sometimes we hide because we feel shame. 
That was what was happening for Adam and Eve. The sin that they had committed made them feel shame, so they hid. We do the same thing. We find ways to cover up how damaged and cracked and imperfect we are. We run away from people when things get hard and, and hide from them instead of doing the tough work of reconciliation. Or we hide our feelings and our emotions and we bury them in some addiction. But God encourages us to come out into the light, to be real with him. He pursues us. He comes and finds us just as he did with Adam and Eve because he wants to take away our shame and he wants to restore us. Next, we choose to blame. Parents, have you ever come home and found something broken in the house and and the kids and maybe your husband are all going, he did it, she did it, they did it, and, and nobody's taking responsibility. And you're like, the vase didn't break itself. We get so frustrated with, with kids and when they do that sort of thing. But man, so many of us do the same thing in our own lives. We choose to blame. Humans don't like taking responsibility for their actions. And so Adam blamed his wife. It was her. She did it. She's so beautiful. I can't say no to her. Come on. And then he has the audacity to turn to God and say, and it's the woman you gave me. So really, this is your fault. And of course, then Eve, when the spotlight shines on her, it was, it was the serpent. It wasn't me. The devil made me do it. It's much easier to blame others than to take responsibility for ourselves. So we blame misguided politicians, we blame spouses, we blame bosses, members of our family, instead of being honest with ourselves and with God. Confession is the alternative to hiding or blaming. And confession leads us to a place of healing, leads us to a place of wholeness. So let's bring everything out into the light for God to see it. He knows it's there anyway. Because he's the only one who's qualified to transform it. When the Skylark realized that it couldn't fly anymore, he desperately went to work. He started scratching and clawing at the ground, pulling up as many worms as he possibly could. And after several days, he had a whole pile of worms. And he took them back to the peddler and he said, please, I want to exchange these worms for my feathers. I need them back. Can you please give them to me? And the peddler just laughed and said, a deal's a deal. Your feathers are mine. You can't get them back. And then he disappeared into thin air. Skylark realized that day that he couldn't get his feathers back on his own. For anybody who's ever exchanged their feathers for worms, anybody who's ever lost the ability to fly and forgotten how to sing, I want you to know that the fall and sin, they are not the end of the story. There is a way to get your feathers back. But we can't get there through hard work alone. We need a Savior. And that Savior is, also happens to be the one who gave us our feathers in the first place. We need him to remind us that we are still created in his image. And we need him to give us a fresh start, to, to wash us clean and to give us back the ability to fly. 
And that is exactly what he does. He gives us back the ability to fly. When we confess our imperfections, and when we look to him and we say, we need you to be our savior. And that's when the beautiful work of God's redemption can, uh, can begin. And that's where we're going to pick up the story next week, with God's beautiful work of redemption. I hope that you will come back for the next part of this incredible story. Please bow and pray with me. And as we begin to pray this morning, I want to give you just 30 seconds. I want to ask you, if there's anything in your life that you need to bring out into the light and confess to God to just do that silently in the quietness of your heart right now. Lord, we confess that we are broken, that we are imperfect, that we're fallen. Lord, heal us. Wash us clean. Teach us how to fly so that we might live lives that glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.